Rick James. Hello and welcome to Bourbon Barrel Talk, episode number six. We are talking turkey today with my buddy Josh Hillman. How you doing today, Josh? Gobble, gobble, bro. Good, good, good. Hey, uh, I, I got to say I was pretty impressed with uh, the sheer number of bottles that you pulled out for today. And we, we've got a couple of your buddies with us. We got David and Aaron, and, and they may or may not jump on during the conversation today. But And his name was David, right? Not Dean. That's right. David, not Dean. Yeah. Listen, I've had a lot to drink. Um so uh, let's talk a little bit about what what you brought out for us to sample and what we're having, and let's kind of discuss which was your favorite, which was your least favorite, and then um, let's talk about you know other bourbons maybe that you want to try because you you've got a pretty nice collection in there, and and we've really you know we've we've had a lot of discussions about bourbon, and and I know that you would like to try some stuff that maybe you've not had yet and some of those are on the more exotic side so let's so before we dive into that group of bourbons that i'd like to try let's talk about toby's bottle that i don't want to try <laughs> absolutely clyde mays you said you're a huge fan of clyde mays right <laughs> that stuff is nasty <laughs> and toby talked about it at a couple of different <gasps> events and i'm sending a bottle home with you for toby because i'm not going to touch it again yeah, you, I think you said it tasted like piss water, right? If I knew what piss water was, it would be Clyde's Maze, but I don't know what it is. Good deal, good deal. So today, we're sitting here, and it's the day before Thanksgiving. Correct. We're all thankful for one thing, which is corn. That's right. Rye. Well, that's two things now. So are we going to start talking about the other <laughs> ingredients that Man, are in bourbon? Scott. I can't do math. <laughs> You're an engineer and you can't do math. That's <laughs> Let's right. Let's keep this in mind. That's right. We all love corn. And Absolutely. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving and we're thankful for corn. Absolutely. Uh, wild turkey. I do like wild turkey. It is, if I was to use air quotes, my jam. Right. Uh, so today we opened a, well, we didn't open all of them, but... We have, uh, not yet, as Aaron in the room says, we haven't opened all of them yet, but Wild Turkey is one of my favorite whiskey brands. Um, so we today we opened Wild Turkey 13. 13, yep. Which was an export bottle from the U.S. Somehow I got my hands on a bottle of Wild Turkey 13. I think it's a 91 proof, is that right? Uh, let's check it out here. I'm looking at it. It is exactly 91 proof. So my understanding of the Wild Turkey 13 is it was exported to Japan because the number 13 is a lucky number in Japan. Yeah, and it, it has a bunch of writing on it that I cannot read, and it looks Asian, so I'm going to go with Japan. Sounds like a good guess at this point. I assumed that was correct when I got the bottle second market, uh, but it was really good. We, uh, My wife and I and daughter were on a Disney cruise ship and I was sitting at a bar on the second to last day of the cruise ship. And I looked up at the bartender and I said, hey, what's that wild turkey over there that I've never seen? He says, wild turkey 13. I said, all right, well, how much is it? $7 a, a drink. Well, how much is that Blanton's over there? That's $12. Well, 
Absolutely. Pour me a wild turkey. It was good. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was actually shocked at how viscous it was and the viscosity. It was very high and stuck to the edge of the glass. Um, I got a lot of, uh, it was very sweet. I was su- surprised at how sweet it was with the corn flavor. Um, and then I really, really enjoyed some of the, like it had some weird sugary notes and not really necessarily brown sugar or caramel, but I, I got like almost like a chocolatey, malty-like flavor out of it that, that was sweeter. You know, it was really smooth. And when I tried it on the cruise ship, as we were coming back from Alaska, I had already had a few beers in me, so I, I was obviously in a different state of mind, but it was just an excellent pour. So today, we cracked that tax seal on it for the first time here at the house, and the it was just a smooth pour. And you guys noted to me that, that feeling of kind of a little bit of a, a different air coming back at you after pouring, after taking that drink, the second drink, I really noticed that. And it was an amazing drink. Yeah, no, I thought it was a very solid pour. And if you read the tasting notes on the back, it says, you know, mellow oak, rich vanilla, um, hence a pear I didn't get, but I did get the spice. Um, and I really, like I said, I, I got those sugary flavors um, that were supposed to come through on it. But I, I really thought it was a solid pour overall. Um, and then I think we moved to... Uh, one of the maybe Kentucky Spirit or one of those other ones? No, that wasn't the first pour of the day. I think we started with a. Aaron and I opened the the Kentucky Spirit and kind of cleansed the palate with the Kentucky Spirit. Which I think I told you not to because it was higher octane. And obviously I'm not a good listener, but we went ahead and did it. <laughs> so uh, we poured a little bit of Kentucky Spirit because... It is one of my favorite bourbons. And just to get that out there, Wild Turkey, I love the Kentucky Spirit. I love the Russell's Reserve Tenure because for a $30 to $35 bottle, I personally don't believe you can beat the Russell's Reserve Tenure. Um, we, so we did the Kentucky Spirit, Russell's 10. We might have gone straight into the 13 after that. And then we tried some Long Branch, which I think we were all a little bit disappointed in. But it just didn't have a whole lot to it, right? I mean, when when you, when we tried the Long Branch after having some of those other Wild Turkey um, bottles, I, I really felt like it just fell kind of flat. Like there wasn't a whole lot of flavor notes. Um, there were, it was missing something, in just my general opinion. I'm sitting here staring at the bottle, trying to zoom in with my eyes without glasses on, and I think it says it's an 86 proof. So the Long Branch, the <coughs> Matthew McConaughey of Wild Turkey, was an 86 proof, kind of a, a popular bottle for marketing, but maybe not the most uh, flavor notes to go along with it. Right. Uh, after that, we went on and we drank some of the Master's Keeps. Now, in my collection, I do not have all of the Master's Keep. I think I'm missing the 17-year. But we went on to drink some of the Decades, which is a magnificent bourbon. We drank some of the Cornerstone, which is a great rye whiskey. And the Revival, which we cracked open new for the first time for me today. And I've had some... 
pluses and minuses with that sherry cask finish. Uh, the Wild Turkey Revival, okay. Yeah, not, not the worst thing. I find the revival, the revival to be pretty good overall. But I'll be honest with you, and I'm not a big rye drinker. Anybody that knows that's listened to the show, I'm, I'm usually a heavy weeder guy. I thoroughly enjoyed the Cornerstone rye. I mean, I, I really, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed that pour. Well, I'm sitting here looking at the Revival Cornerstone in decades, and the decades has been my, uh, I've drank a little more of it than the others. So it's a, a very good bottle. The Cornerstone excellent rye whiskey now currently i'm sitting here drinking a russell's reserve private barrel selection single barrel non-chill filtered uh, non-chill filtered that's been a buzzword here in the bourbon community over the last few years kind of a buzzword here today as we were talking as well but 110 proof uh, non-chill filtered it was a warehouse f floor six and as we dove into that a little bit today we were interested to see that there were a number of the different bottles sitting here in my collection that came out of uh, Warehouse F and Floors 5 or 6, surprisingly. Yeah, that's kind of ironic that, I mean, literally we were pulling, you poured bottles from all kinds of places. You know, one of them was actually the, the Silver Dollar Store pick I picked up for you just this past week or so. And I know another one you said a, a gentleman had picked up from you for from a totally different store pick. And then um, the other one was just a standard one, but I think literally we, you had those. I think the second, the, the, the miscellaneous one there was a Kentucky Spirit bottle from a year and a half or so ago that ended up in the same warehouse and a same floor. Uh, it's just interesting to see the variation here in the wild turkey labels that go along with warehouses and floors. And I, I know the big thing that we were talking about earlier, and, and, and one thing that really has kind of always been the one thing I like about Wild Turkey, even though, you know, up until about two years ago, I was like, I always stayed clear of it, was the fact that Rare Breed is just a really good, solid shelfer. You can find it just about anywhere, along with the Russell's Reserve, but just a really, really good, solid drinker. And these are one of the things that we really wanted to bring to the to the table with this bourbon podcast was like, outside of, you know, the really exotic, the really hard to find things, what are good, solid daily drinkers that people can really, really enjoy that anybody can find on a shelf just about anywhere, whether you're at the local liquor store or Kroger or Walgreens. Now, was it the wild turkey that you were kind of surprised by or Kentucky spirit? Yeah, I, I think just wild turkey in general. I, and, I, and I told this story in the past um, with some other buddies of mine, and, and I actually mentioned it today. You know, growing up, my, my mom and dad, you know, old farmers, and you know, there was a wives' tale that if you poured whiskey on your roses, that it helped them grow. So uh, my dad was not a huge wild turkey fan, and typically, like I said, we would we would find ourselves pouring wild turkey on the roses. So for me, I always thought of it as being kind of a lower-end, you know, bourbon um, but really, I mean, over the last few years, the more I've actually dove into actually trying it, I've found that I've really, really enjoyed it so far. Well, so when I was in college, uh, you know, one of my first, I'll call it bourbon or whiskey experiences, and I probably wouldn't have identified it as bourbon at the time, just whiskey, was with Wild Turkey 101. And, you know, at that point, I would have said, nah, that stuff is nasty. But you know what? 
we tried it today. I opened up a brand new bottle of Wild Turkey 101. Had no idea it was labeled as a high high rye aged uh, aged longer bourbon, and I was pleasantly surprised. We cracked open a new bottle. Had a to me, it had a really interesting cinnamon taste to it, but a very smooth bourbon that. 15 years ago in college, I would have told you was just nasty. Right. And and I think that's the big thing. Like as we age or maybe as we try more things, we have the opportunity for our palate to really try other things. So therefore it opens it up. It's kind of like drinking beer. You know, when you drink in high school you were, or college, you know, you were having beer, you, it, Bud Light was really good, right? No, Bud Light <laughs> was not good. I, for me, it was fine. So, but then as you got older, you know, you, you, got a more sophisticated palate. So then you started drinking stouts or porters or a Kolsch or, or whatever it might be. But, you know, I've still never grown a palate for an IPA. There's very few IPAs that I like or enjoy, but I'll I, second that motion. But I will say that, man, I can kill some stouts. I can kill some porters. And I absolutely love those type of beers. But had I tried one of those as the first beers that I drank in high school, I'd have been like, whoa, I'm never drinking this type of stuff ever. I would agree with that. Now, I started out with uh, Milwaukee's Best Light. Heck yeah, the beast. And then we moved on to Miller Light. Now, uh, in the the room or apartment that I lived in in college, uh, my other two roommates loved Bud Light. Yeah. And they would drink it regularly. And I knew that if I stocked Miller Light for me, they wouldn't touch it. So I was solid. I had my Miller Light. They had their Bud Light. Two to two to one. I always had more because there were two of them, and they were drinking a little more. Right there, you go. Did did you ever fall into the natty light category? Never, never, really. So uh, we make jokes because, in a matter of fact, you went with me this year to Festival, but they had the natty light strawberry, whatever what <laughs> pour it was, and we were both like pleasantly surprised at what it was. Um, as far as like a crisp summer drinker, it, it, by, by all means, it was nothing fancy or good in comparison to what we, the other things we tried that day, but we were both pleasantly surprised with, it wasn't just total rot gut. It was better than the natty light ice that I remember in college, but still nasty. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So back, back to our, 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 our talking Turkey, cause you know, there's no present time like like the current one to talk turkey considering it's you know thanksgiving tomorrow and, and, and let's not forget to tell everyone have a happy thanksgiving absolutely happy turkey day to anybody gobble gobble for tomorrow um i hope you enjoy it and, and have safe travels that's gonna be my goal for tonight is just to have safe travels um y- you were also generous enough to uh let our let our friend david and aaron come over and you know they were they were partaking in um what what i call sweet kerosene which is the stag junior from this year and the gts from last year do you want to talk a little bit about what you liked what you didn't like and and well, uh, kind of go from there y- you said generous but uh, to me bourbon is about the community and the social and being able to sit around a table here with a couple of friends or a few friends and talking just Enjoying life, enjoying a bottle of bourbon, trying something new or something different, especially as you just grabbed my bottle of Private Barrel Selection Russell's Reserve Non-Chill Filtered Bourbon. Uh, Are you going to say non-chill filtered every time we open this bottle? 
I hope so. Uh, <laughs> bourbon is about the community and hanging out and sharing a story with friends. So that's what's most important to me is is having friends over here, talking with them, just getting to know some outside of work, outside of being gymnastics dads or outside of being – uh, nonprofit volunteer organization members, which you and I are together, uh, getting to know each other, talking about the differences in that bottle of bourbon, talking about the uh, no-bake cookie peanut butter cookies that are here on the table and things like that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what you spoke a little bit about the fact that, you know, uh, when when you try things, you share it, and and I I truly you know I know the Louisville Bourbon Society recently had uh, Freddie there, and he talked about bourbon and the whole life experience about the fact that bourbon will always be here, but the people you like, know, love, and care about won't always. So why not crack a bottle open, share the moment, share the time, and really really focus in on what what makes us happy as individuals, which is the time that we're spending on Earth together. Well, Speaking. bourbon is for drinking. Oh, absolutely. It's not for sitting on my shelf as I just high-fived David here as he was pl- glad to have a, a glass of the George T. Stag 2018. Yeah. Phenomenal. Bourbon is about drinking. It's about not leaving it on the shelf. When I buy a bottle, I'm buying that bottle so that we can open it, enjoy it, talk about it, and have a good time. Absolutely. One other bottle that me, me, me and you bought, bought together was uh, the Single Batch Nation, which we forgot that we were we, we tried that earlier today as well, which is an MGP product, 12-year-old Indiana Light Whiskey. Um, uh, to me, this was one of my favorite pours of the entire day. I mean, just, just general, my opinion. Um, super smooth, super sweet. Um, had a lot of great character notes to it. Um the other this big is, thing is that I really enjoyed was the fact that the quality of the product that they made as far as like they, they put attention to detail and actually put a glass cork to it. So there's a lot of different things that I really, really liked about this bottle and pour. Very cool uh, cork to it. And this is the bottle that, as we were discussing, you said, yeah, it's a single cask batch one. And I'm like, it's a single barrel, man. Isn't that batch one on its own? <laughs> it is. So sometimes those words get a little confusing to us, but... It was an excellent MGP pour. Absolutely. Had a lot of, uh, I noticed a lot of wood tones to it or smoky tones to it, uh, but a very smooth pour. Yeah. I, what, what was the proof on that? So this one was, I think, 108% or 108 proof, so 54.1, yeah, so 108.2. So very solid pour overall. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I got a lot of those citrus taste, you know, almost like a, I wouldn't say an orange, but something kind of citrusy that came through on it. And then, like you said, we got a lot of wood flavor on it and then some really, really nice vanilla slash caramel tones. So I, I really, really enjoyed that pour overall. It was uh, pretty darn good. And then after that, I think you brought over a couple of sample bottles of New Riff. Yep a bourbon that I've been kind of up in the air about, uh, but a couple of the sample bottles that were at Barrel Proof, I believe, 
yep. were pretty darn good. Yeah, uh, and it's funny, you know, Matt Matt came on, brought actually brought these samples, so I've been carrying around these 100-milliliter bottles for a while, and uh, we've been kind of partaking them and, and drinking them since uh, I got them from Matt, and I, I told you guys, in my personal opinion, these were some of the better single-barrel new riffs that I've actually tried. And, you, I, and I've actually know, liked New Riff. Do you know if they were, air quotes, non-chill filtered? I do not. Okay. <laughs> I do just, not know if they were non-chill filtered. So, and I like I told you, I was pleasantly surprised with, uh, and I, I shouldn't say pleasantly surprised, because I've liked most of the New Riff stuff that I've had that have been single barrel that were store picks. But some of their standard shelf stuff, I was like, wow, this is different. I'm not 100% certain. But their barrel procurement process is just amazing to me, like how they will let people come in, sample the process, sample the product, and go through the process is what I meant to say. And then really, really, you know, pick a barrel that really, really is suited to just you. So did I understand that if you get a chance to go pick a barrel here in the next few weeks, I'm a definite in? Uh, Absolutely. I don't know that I'm going to be part of a barrel picking process. That's the hopes, right? You know, that we get those things. But So David is over here doing Bob Fosse magic fingers (laughs) and asking is he in as well. (laughs) So, you know, like I said, I'm going to take my friends so that way we can get over there. We can try things and and get in good, you know. And I'm not saying no to David by any stretch of the imagination. Was it the Bob Fosse fingers that really just turned you off? Any time I get, you know, the dance fingers, you know, from, uh, what was it, Bring It On? Is that what it's like? I have no idea. Something magic fingers or something from Bring It On. Um, Yeah, that's a little bit of a turn on. A turn off, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Mainly because I, I literally, uh, my wife, for people that don't know my wife. Um, when She's she awesome. To, she is absolutely awesome. But when she worked at Mercy Academy, the first few years she was there, she was the cheerleading coach. So uh, when she was the cheerleading coach, um, we had to spend a bus ride from Louisville, Kentucky to Dallas, Texas. Yeah, buddy. And, you know, had you told me when I was 17 years old that I was going to be a bus full of, you know, 17-year-old girls and 16-year-old girls to, to Dallas and I would be the only guy on it, I would have told you I would have been really excited by this. But Hey, now, as a 17-year-old boy, I would have been really excited, but as the father of an 8-year-old daughter, I'd tell you, eh, yeah, no. No, absolutely. So the, the, the funny thing about that trip was, A, I learned almost every word to the movie Bring It On because they played it like nine times. And two, I found that my love of girls as far as like that fatherly fatherly figure really, really was amped up. And it was a good thing because I ended up being blessed with having two daughters. So, Which are great, too. Yeah, my kids are great. you got a great daughter, though. I mean, she's super, super gymnast. She's a fireball. She is. She, she's definitely a spitfire. She was in here talking about how you need to do a better job of, you know, taking her out and going to Disney and... All kinds of good things. Yeah, that was awesome. I think her mom set her up as we were all sitting down here Listen. talking about bourbon, and her mom comes down and says, hey, you need to go tell Scott and Aaron that they need to convince Daddy to take you to Disney again. Right, and and I told her, I, I agree with them. You know, Disney is of one of those things. Of course you did. But that's the good thing to do, right? You have to, you have to jump on the train. 100%. Disney <laughs> is great, and maybe one day they'll have a great private barrel selection group as well. You know, to me, and we've talked about this during our conversation with the four of us here tonight, one of the things to me that makes bourbon special 
is limestone water. Like, I think that's why the Midwest is super great place to distill and make bourbon is the limestone water. I don't know what it is that makes it different, but I've had bourbons from New York and from New Jersey. And to me, none of them are quite as good as what we get here in the Midwest. Now, you know, none of that stuff comes directly off a piece of limestone, right? It's all treated and processed through a plant and then Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm an engineer. And an engineer. So, yes, I, I understand that. But there is something about limestone water, in my, in my humble opinion, that makes bourbon tastier in the Midwest. It also has a lot to do with the, t- the climate change. and It's all that great calcium that we have in the water over there. <laughs> it very well could be. That hard water, I guess, is what we like to call it. Uh, that's that's funny. You know, some of the, the water probably provides a great taste to it, uh, but I think some of that's probably just mythical. Yeah, no, it, you're, you're probably right. I mean, I think uh, Craig said it best, and then and, and Rick um, in previous podcasts, I think the, the really ultra truest part about the fact that why the Midwest is so good is how readily available white oak is here. I mean, it comes from Virginia, Missouri, North Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee. So it's just, it's just really readily available. That's interesting. I have to believe that the value in the Midwest, which is where we're at, is in the major temperature swings that we see here. I mean, we see just last week, we were in the upper 20s, lower 30s, and today we were in the mid to upper 60s. Right. Uh, in the summer, we we're going to get in the hundreds, and then two days later, we we're going to be down in the 50s. Right. We see some great variation, and I have to believe that that impacts the curing, the aging process for bourbon. Right. I think that, and then also, um, I feel like distillers have done a really, really solid job of the charring differences like to me a heavy char is going to obviously open up the barrel and then some people talk about the difference between non-chill filtered and chill filtered and what is that difference basically from from my understanding is the fact that you know the bourbon has been chilled as it's coming out of the the mash bill and out of the distiller does that mean i can pour it on ice which some of my buddies think is bad no, it means that it's been chilled before it's been entered into the barrel versus going in there straight, you know, warm or hot or whatever it comes out of that, the gotcha. regular rack run. So supposedly non-chill filter, it goes into the barrel as a little bit of a higher temperature. So therefore, whenever the barrel opens up. And whoa, that, whoa, whoa. My buddy's putting this bottle of George <coughs> T. Stag 2018 in his jacket. We may need to hold off here. He won't make it out of here. Um <laughs> But I, I really think the fact that, you know, when it goes in there at a warmer temperature and it's non-chill filtered, it actually soaks into the wood a lot quicker than it would be if it's cold. That's just my personal opinion. And I think that's why non-chill filtered seems to be much more of a desired product because it really seeps into the wood deeper, you know, and it, it gives you an opportunity for it to soak up more of that nice woody, earthy tones. Very neat. As we're sitting here, I keep staring at this bottle of caribou that somebody told me was the Blantons of the North. It, it, I really it, disagree with them. Well, and it's one of those funny things. People call it the Blantons of the North. I call it the Blantons slash Rock Hill Farms of the North. And the only reason I say that is because it's in a Rock Hill Farms bottle, but it's on Blanton's cap. Um, but I, I've never been a big Canadian whiskey fan, not since I was super young. And the main reason why is just, it's just too sweet to me. Um 
So therefore, um, I'm glad you had it. I'm glad you brought it out. I'm glad you were able to let us try it if we wanted to, but not a big fan, not my jam. I had a buddy over maybe a month ago that was a Crown Royal fan, and he claimed to just be a Canadian whiskey lover. So we opened it. He drank some that night. I drank what I would call good bourbon that night. A couple nights later when I wanted to try something random, I tried it. Not my jam. Just not, not good in your opinion? No. But the caribou on top is really cool. Right. No, absolutely. It, 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 is a, it is a beautiful bottle. It really is. I mean, like I said, the bottle is basically a bottle of Rock Hill Farms. Designed extremely well. It's got the same, you know, type of coloring and uh, patterns as that. And then it's got that super cool caribou on the top, like a bottle of Blanton's would have with the, with the horse bottle. So let me ask you, we opened a whole bunch of bottles of turkey tonight. What was your favorite bottle of wild turkey? My favorite bottle of the wild turkey, um, honestly, and I'm really shocked to even say this, is probably going to be the Cornerstone Rye. I was super, super impressed but, with that bottle. But that's not bourbon. Okay, so if you if you if you, if that's the case that you're going to say, well, that's not bourbon because it's technically a rye, then technically, I mean, it is a rye whiskey, Scott. Right, I I get it. My bad. So then I guess if you want me to pick an actual bourbon, I will probably go with the rare breed, um, mainly because of the fact that I just I find it good. You know, I mean, I tell people all the time that the wild turkey rare breed to me is probably one of the best shelfers out there, and the main reason why I think is I like the higher octane. That's something we talked about a little bit earlier. I like it with a little bit of a, as I call it, stank on it. And the 116, you know, it, it gives it a little bit extra. Oomph to you called it stank? Stank. What does that mean? Just it's hotter. It's just it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just, I just heard Dave pop the cork on another bottle of Russell's. We had previously opened a body, a bottle that my buddy Mike had got from his buddy Craig, which is all about friendship. Right. So I just gave myself a very nice, healthy pour. This bottle is the one that you picked up. Absolutely. That's the, the silver dollar pick. The silver dollar last week. And this is silver dollar barreled on 11109 from Rickhouse F floor 536-2. And when I read the tasting notes on this one, it was uh, it was way different than the other one. Like had like some leather and... Do you like leather? Uh, you know, it's funny. Like I wouldn't chew on leather and be like, oh, this is super tasty. But um, when you hear about bourbons and how they have kind of that leathery flavor, you actually can taste it in my in my humble opinion. And it does actually add something to it. It's almost like a texture. And I think that's where some maybe some of the viscosity levels come from, where it's maybe a little bit heavier, is something in that in that texture of that bourbon. You know, when I was in engineering school, I remember a lot of discussion on viscosity, but they never told me about bourbon. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know why they didn't do that. I always tell my daughter right now that if I was to go back to school, instead of being a civil engineer, I'd go be a chemical engineer right. so I could be that master distiller and have my own distillery. You know, there's no, no time like the present to go back and do what you want to do, man. It's not to say I don't enjoy what I'm doing right now. Right. But I'm pushing her to be my own master distiller so she can make bourbon for me. Well, that 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 could be a solid idea. But I think she's going to have to. I think anything, and in, 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 I've talked about this in my other podcast, which is Two Mics and a Table with a few of my buddies. 
I want to teach my kids not necessarily to be a slave to college or anything else, but really to be your own person. You know, if, if you think you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to try something when you're 20 years old is the time to do that. Cause really it doesn't make a, a dang bit of difference if you fail at, at 20 years old at something, right? Cause you've got the rest of your life in front of you. So I, that's the one thing I will say I would like to instill in my children as they get a little bit older is be like, Hey, really, really just try these type of things. So as we're sitting here, we just cracked open this silver dollar bottle, uh, single barrel pick and Dave is shaking his head like, man, that stuff is really good. Listen, I will tell you this. Every silver, silver dollar pick I've ever had has been extremely tasty. They do a really, really good job. I don't, I don't know who's on their team that goes and picks their barrels, but I've not ever been disappointed in a silver dollar pick. Do you think you could get me in to be on the team to pick the barrels? Well, if they put you on the team, maybe the barrel wouldn't turn out as good. And it, it's not. It's what are you and that's not a negative. I'm just saying that obviously these dudes have have a science worked out. I, I don't know if it's the same eight to ten guys that go, but literally, You're, like they do an excellent job at picking. They might not want to add anybody to the to the party. So I invited you over to drink my bourbon tonight, and then you say I'm going to make a bad pick. No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is is that. I'm not on the bourbon procurement teams for Silver Dollar, and they might have a specific group of guys that only go with them. Okay. And it might try out. It might turn out totally different. You know, it's a voting system, from what I understand. So basically, you get is it like the electoral college? <laughs> probably. It's probably worse than that. So basically, from what Matt described, and also Craig from uh, previous shows, basically you go in. You have eight guys that go, or ten, whatever your number is. You go all tried you know, whatever number of barrels they bring out, whether it's five or seven, and then you rank them best to worst. And the best cumulative score is the barrel that you end up with. So do you think if I'm the loudest, I can have the most influence? No, I don't think that works that way. Hashtag sad. (laughs) Well, Josh, I I love bourbon. I do too. I love bourbon. Um, I love friendship. I love fellowship, and 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 that's what bourbon is all about. And, and Dave just gave you two thumbs up as we're in here in the room, and nobody else can see that. That's good. That's good. So you, we're running up on time for today. Great. I really appreciate your time. Um, thanks for having us over for uh, talking turkey for uh, this episode of uh, Bourbon Barrel Talk. If you're looking to get in touch with us, you can email us at bourbonbarreltalk at gmail dot com, or you can hit us up on Facebook and DM us there. Josh, anything else you want to add to the show today? Go cards. Go cards. That just made me sad, but that's okay. Anyway, thanks for tuning hey, in. Hey, they're going to be number one team in the nation. They next will week. after after Duke's debacle this week. Dukey's going down. That's right. That made every Kentucky fan happy, and it might make a few Louisville fans even more happy because they'll be number one. Go cards. <laughs> All right. Bourbon Barrel Talk, Episode 6, signing off. Thanks a lot, Josh. Thanks, uh, Aaron and uh, Dave, for uh, being silent, I guess. That might have been boring for them. Was that Dave or Dean? Uh, uh, Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Signing off. Bye.